You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I'm Kristen Maxwell, and in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I am excited to be talking to Eric Partaker about the roadmap to peak performance. Eric Partaker is a high-performance expert who combines his knowledge of behavioral science with techniques from elite sports and the military to help leaders, entrepreneurs, and others scale their performance and improve their well-being. Eric has received a number of awards, including CEO of the Year at the 2019 UK Business Excellence Awards, one of the top 30 entrepreneurs in the UK, 35 and under by Startups Magazine, and Britain's Most Disruptive Entrepreneurs by The Telegraph, among others. I'm really excited to talk to Eric because high performance is... um, it is, I think, uh, something that many, many, many people want and yet is scary to to almost claim as that's the road that they're taking. So anyway, welcome, Eric, to your superpowered mind. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah, really excited to be here and hope that I can um, offer a few nuggets that uh, can have a positive impact on um, all the people listening. So thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you. Yes. So my first question is always, what superpower do you, did you discover as the result of mastering your mind? Um, that, quite simply, is just remembering what I always used to do as a kid, which was uh, change into different superheroes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, when we're, when we're growing up, right, we can all remember the, the days when we would make believe and pretend that we were this... Um, uh, whether it was an impenetrable fortress or this flying person or this person capable of doing all, you know, wonderful things. And, uh, and somewhere along the way, we lose that sense to believe and imagine and we become so conditioned with our life experiences that that, uh, that sense of, um, of, of power uh, disappears. And I, um, I, I remembered it about, about 10 years ago. I you know, had, uh, had an event that uh, really... You know, prompted me to reflect on life, and um, and as a result of that, I um, I ended up choosing three identities in the three areas of life that I see as mattering most: so our health, our work, and our relationships. And they are simply my superheroes. They are my guardian angels. They're my dream team. They assemble every day to aid me in what I need to do on a on any given day, and uh, and. They are uh, my health identity as a world fitness champion. Um, Not that I am one, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that's who shows up in the gym. It's it's that mentality, that person, and it changes the way um, I both uh, you know walk out to do my workout. It changes the way I I actually you know behave in the gym you know during the workout. Um, Other identity that I created for work was uh, the world's best coach, just Mm -hmm. to remind me. How does that version of me show up and you know, behave in the world? How, how decisive, inspiring, and reliable will that version of me be? And the real game changer for me was uh, the identity that I chose to power the, the evening part of my day, so 6.30 p.m., 
um, and that's world's best husband and father. And what I mean by that last part about power in the evening part of my day is I actually took each of these three identities and I turned them into alarms on my phone. So at 6.30 a.m., because you could change the name of an alarm on your phone, at 6.30 a.m., it actually says world fitness champion. At 9 a.m., it actually says world's best coach on my phone. And at 6.30 p.m., world's best husband and father, just to remind me, well, how would the world's best husband and father walk through that door right now? So that's definitely been my superpower, changing into those, those identities and those, those key areas. Yes, I, I love, first of all, a couple things about this is, first of all, that you are talking about peak performance and high performance, not just in work, not just in one aspect of who you are, um, but across all of the areas that are going to help actually make us balanced and happy. And this idea of an identity that we put on um, to become, because it almost gives you, I like what you said, sort of a sense of power to pull that on instead of like, here I am inside of me being just regular old me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh- hundred percent makes sense because again, think back to childhood when you turned into Wonder Woman or Superman or whoever the character was, it changed your behavior. You suddenly started doing things that you weren't doing maybe just before in that play session. Mm-hmm. And that works in the same way as adults. So when we change our identity, when we step into that champion version of ourselves and the areas of life that matter most, it shapes how we behave. It shapes how we perform. And you're totally right about it not being one dimensional because true peak performance or high performance, you know, operating at your fullest potential is essentially what we're talking about. You know, top of the pyramid of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization. That's what this is all about. True kind of reaching your full potential isn't one dimensional. It's not just work. It's, uh, it's also, you know, health and relationships and, the three of those, they provide the stability and meaning, you know, that, that, that life needs. You know, it's that three-legged stool that, um, that we ultimately most care about and most need. Yeah, I love this. So we do need to go to a break quickly. Um, but before we do, can you let people know where they can learn about you and your work? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, uh I've just uh, released a new book. It's going to be out on uh, Amazon um, uh, by September 30th. It's called The Three Alarms, and it will take uh, people through uh, the entire system of how to both choose your identities, set, set your alarms, but then even on top of that, also arm you with some peak performance principles that you can use across all three domains in life, your health, your work, and your relationships. And if you just head over to ericpartaker.com, uh, you'll find a link where you can um, pick up some goodies related to the book. Great. We will definitely um, include the link in our show notes. Stick around because I am going to go um, into more deeply into what do you do when your life is not at peak performance and it feels a bit overwhelming? How do you get started? So hang on. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts, and we want to thank each of you 
for making Super Power Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Your Superpowered Mind, and I am talking to Eric Partaker about um, getting on the road to peak performance. And before the break, we talked about this idea of choosing this identity that you want, um, who you want to step into, and how you know pulling that on sort of gives you a power that you can pull on and off as you need. But so let's say, Eric, people are like, yes, uh, I know that I'm not living into my full potential, but I am just overwhelmed. Where do I even start? What, what do you do with people in that, in that place? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's a couple of things that I think about. So first off is that the, often I find that the path for creating immediate improvement is less about what can I add to my life and more about, and this is just in the first instance, this first step, and it's more about what is it that I can subtract? Often I find in the, you know, the, the entrepreneurs, uh, the leaders, uh, you know, that I'm coaching that they know really well um, with very clear, you know, certainty, the one thing that they're doing in their life, which isn't helping them. Um, whether that's health-related, you know, relationship-related, work-related, they know that there's one thing which, if they just remove that and focus there first, rather than trying to add something else, that it would have a positive ricochet effect on their life. So it could, for example, be um, that someone knows that, yes, they could be approving a myriad of things, but really the number one thing that they you know, need to be doing is to, you know, stop watching as much television as they are or to stop consuming as much sugar as they are or to stop losing their cool, you know, on the home front with their spouse or with their kids um, or to stop procrastinating, you know, when it comes to work. Um, So that's the first thing uh, I get people to think about is like, what's the one thing rather than add, what's the one thing that you should stop doing? And usually people can zero in on that. Often, and this is the, the second point I'm, I wanted to make, often uh, people do tend to gravitate towards work. Um, I think there's more of a workaholic tendency in the world than there is, like, say, a health nut tendency. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So, uh, so people do gravitate towards work. And more often than not, people uh, mention procrastination. So they know they should be doing things, but they're not doing them for whatever reason. Um, and one of the most powerful things I came across, and it's not my idea. I have to, you know, give you know, full credit to um, uh, a man named uh, Neil Fiore. He wrote a wonderful book called The No Habit, and um, 
And I was so inspired by the book that I actually reached out to Neil and um, uh, booked some sessions with him and, and, and really understood procrastination, what caused it and, and, and how to overcome it. And, uh, and then integrated all that into myself and then into my coaching. And one of the powerful phrases he gave me was, I choose to start for just five minutes. And the reason this is so powerful is because, and I really would encourage anybody listening to do this, the next time you feel the urge to procrastinate, the next time you feel that, oh, that overwhelm, I really don't want to be doing you know, this or that, oh, there, there's too much, I want you to verbalize what's going on in your head. Because if you were to put into words what you're saying to yourself, the self-talk would definitely be negative and it would be of the flavor. It would sound like I have to, right? Oh, I have to do this right now. I, or, you know, or I should. Both of which is language of oppression. It suggests you should be doing something that, that you're not. Uh, therefore, you're being forced. And what happens when anyone in the world is forced to do something they don't want to do? Well, that's going to um, spark resistance, mm-hmm. and the resistance manifests as procrastination. Well, hey, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm going to step to the side here. Mm-hmm. Um, when you change the self-talk from "I choose," you know, "I have to," and then it's often accompanied by "finish." You're thinking, you know, all the way to the very end of it, "I have to finish." When you change it to "I choose to start." The I choose is, well, you don't need to like doing whatever it is, but you can at least be in control. You can be choosing rather than being forced to. So that, that changes you know, your sense of agency. And when you focus on starting rather than finishing, well, now it's not overwhelming, right? Because finishing, yeah, that can feel overwhelming because finishing could take 10 years depending on what the project is. But starting takes a second and never more than a second. And then I just add that for just five minutes. Now, how often do I stop after just five minutes? <laughs> Probably never, right? Because you just get lost in whatever you're doing. So, yeah. So in summary, feeling overwhelmed, don't know where to start. Okay. Well, just ask yourself across health, work, and relationships, across those three domains, what's the number one thing that you should just stop doing and focus there? And then number two, if like most people, it ends up being work and procrastination. Monitor that self-talk and swap out the I have to finish when you're feeling overwhelmed with I choose to start for just five minutes. I love that. That is so clear. And it's, it's such, um, it's so doable. And, and this is one of the things that's so funny is there's almost even, and I've, I've noticed this in myself, almost this resistance to the idea of peak performance because it is so far. Uh, it makes it sound like you need to be at the top of the world and everything. And I, and I guess actually maybe that's my question for you is how do you define peak performance? Yeah, that's, that is a great question. And um, peak performance is not, I, I do not define it as, being at the very top in all that you do. I define it as being in pursuit of the best you can be in all that you do. And realizing simultaneously that you'll never get there. <laughs> so, which right. Is, right? So, so it's just 
it's the difference between having something, you know, when I was growing up, my mom and dad used to always say to me, shoot for the moon. And even if, the, even if you miss, you'll still land amongst the stars. And if you have nothing to shoot for in the three domains of life that matter most, if you have nothing to shoot for with your health, with your work, you know, with your relationships, then you're kind of just throwing darts aimlessly, hoping that you hit the dartboard and, you know, let alone, you know, hit a bullseye. But by at least having something to aim for, you have a chance of, you know, inching closer and you'll never get there. It's not about being perfect, but you do continue to make progress. And over time, the gap between your current self and your best self, it does narrow. And so peak performance is ultimately about narrowing that gap between, you know, what you're, you're currently doing and what you're capable of doing in those areas of life that matter most. Yeah, I love that definition. And what I've, you know, experienced in myself and in many clients is when you get started, there's then a momentum that starts to take over. And instead of every step being so difficult, like you have to get yourself started every time, you, you well, you start to become who you're wanting to be. And as you start to become who you want to be, your behavior changes. And so I love that. Um, One of the questions I then have is you in your book, which I have to recommend to everybody, by the way, I I was um, reading it before our interview. You talk about massive goals. What's the importance of a massive goal? And what, what's an example of a massive goal? What do you mean by that? Right. So we typically play just way too small in life, way too small. You know, um, think about what humanity has achieved. You know, think about, think about just us getting airborne as an example. I, I can't remember the exact date of the Kitty Hawk, you know, or, you know, the, the, the Wright brothers taking flight. Um, but I think it was like 1908, you know, maybe 1910, I should know this. Something like um, that. I know I should too. Yeah, yeah. And then when was the man, the first man on the moon? Was that 1969? It was. Right. So think about that, everyone, for a moment. We haven't been airborne until 1908. 61 years later, we put a man on the moon. Now, that's just mind-blowing, I think, when you, you, know, when you really take that in. And, and it shows what we're capable of if we don't play small. And if we, you know, aim for big goals, uh, setting massive goals is essentially about, you know, learning to dream again. You know, I'm going to go, once again, I'm going to go back to childhood. When you, when you were a kid, anything was possible. And somewhere along the line, you get conditioned to think that there's lots of reasons why that isn't true. Well, thank God humanity as a whole doesn't believe that or that whole, you know, first person airborne man on the moon, 61 years, that would have never happened. And, and we, we have to remember this as individuals because we do it well as a society, but for some reason we lose that, you know, that, that, that faith as individuals. And so setting massive goals is just about setting goals that you feel aren't achievable, but that create this magical impact on you and that, you know, number one, they, 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 they prompt you to take action that you would have, 
never have thought of taking um, because you have to because the goal's so big. They make you so much more aware of how you're using your time because again, gosh, this is a you know, big thing that I'm going after. They get you dreaming once again, as I said. Uh, and they, they force you to commit before you're ready. And um, that's one of the biggest inhibitors, I think, when I you know, look at why I didn't achieve certain things in life or why others haven't achieved is because they take too long thinking that I'm just not ready yet. Well, the beauty of picking a massive goal is that you have no chance to be ready. It's, you know, you, you have to just commit because it's, it's way beyond where you, where you currently are. The, the biggest thing for me, though, is that when you pick a massive goal, it will often, not always, but often it will expose in you some deficiencies, something that you need to confront. And you mentioned the CEO of the year, you know, accolade um, at, the, at, at the beginning of this segment of, of the show. And um, that was a result of me feeling like I wasn't a good leader. And I voiced my concerns with my coach at the time. And I said, you know, yeah, I, I started this company, but uh, I don't know if uh, I have what it takes, you know, to be, uh, you know, um, a CEO. And, and he said, well, that's ridiculous. And we set our sights on the CEO of the year award. And it prompted me to take action that I wouldn't have taken had I not set my sights on that. And it prompted me to become a better leader. And, and all of that was because of setting a massive goal, which you know, prompted massive massive results. So what I would encourage anybody, you know, once again, listening to do is ask yourself again, a great, a great filter is think about those three domains of life, your health, uh, your work, sometimes we refer to work as wealth, right? Your health, your wealth, your relationships. And what's your massive goal? What's the thing that if you went back to your child like self, you know, that you would aim to, to, um, to achieve? And, um, and start to dream again and, and pick something and see what happens. See how you rally and uh, bring together whatever resources, you know, people or finances are necessary to achieve that because you have no choice. It's a big goal. Right. One of the things that I noticed and I just have to ask you, you were named one of the most disruptive entrepreneurs what does that mean? How are you? How are your ideas and what you do in the world disruptive? Well, there is a you know a variety of things that um, I've taken a different viewpoint on during my business career, and you know one of the things that I'm you know most proud of was the culture uh, that I, I created with the restaurant chain that I had built, and and a lot of a lot of a lot of people when they join the ranks of uh, of this restaurant chain. It was you know, called Chilango, a Mexican restaurant chain. Oh, yeah. And, and they, they, they thought they were getting a job at a burrito shop, basically. But our vision for the company was always much bigger. And we, you know, we said that the one word distillation of the brand was vibrancy, that we existed to make the world a more vibrant place, uh, to add flavor to people's lives. And in order to do that, my kind of philosophical take on what it would take to deliver vibrancy was to make our people shine as vibrantly as possible, as naturally as possible. And the path to that was helping them become the very best version of themselves, both professionally and personally. So as a restaurant chain, 
in addition to teaching people how to roll burritos and make, make salsa and all that, they were also, you know, you know, our people were learning how to optimize their sleep, um, how to become more productive, uh, how to improve their public speaking abilities, how to overcome perfectionism, how to start thinking with a more abundant mindset. They were learning you know, valuable life skills that they never would have anticipated encountering in an operation or a business like ours. And, um, and yeah, that was, you know, one of the, one of the ways for sure that I sought to kind of disrupt, you know, the, the sector that we were, that we were in and, and the impact that we were trying to have. Yeah, that's great. I'd like to get a job there. (laughs) (laughs) And I, what a, what a beautiful vision, even, to take that in is that idea of shining as vibrantly as possible. Like just right there, when you just saying those words, hearing those words kind of strikes like internally, like, Ooh, like how amazing would that be to be that person who shines vibrantly? I love that. You're you're very, very clear, which is great. I mean, this is, uh, and this was what I took from reading your book is, Yes, this is doable. And yes, this is something you can do. Um, you know, if you're feeling sort of um, small and a little bit stuck. So anyway, thank you for, for doing this work. Um, there were a couple other things you talk about around these obstacles to personal mastery. And one you just mentioned is perfectionism. And I have Many, many, many clients who are stuck in perfectionism. What's your view on perfectionism and how it gets in the way? Well, it was um, perfectionism and procrastination go hand in hand. They're they're like really, really good buddies, and they're they're related. <laughs> um, and um, perfectionism is my you know really it's just a form of procrastination. It's okay. Well, it's not ready yet. I gotta need to make it a little bit better, um, and wrapped together with you know a fear of failing and uh, you know fear of being you know judged perhaps. Um, my out of all the things that you can, and, and this by the way was I saw after I overcame you know procrastination, the 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 next avenue that I attacked was was a perfectionism that was still there. And out of all the things that I could do to cure perfectionism, I realized that the 20% of things that I could do for 80% of the perfectionism improvement, i.e. getting rid of perfectionism, was actually the 80-20 principle itself. So it's a bit meta here, but the 80-20 principle was the 80-20 solution to curing perfectionism. Because within 80-20, you know, so the concept of 80-20, for those not familiar with it, is that um, the cause and effect is, is not an equal relationship. So uh, there will be, for example, within your, within your life, there will be a minority of your life decisions, which created the majority of your life results. Um, there will be, uh, within a, uh, you know, going back to the restaurant chain, um, we knew that there was... Uh, t- out of all the factors that we could focus on within the chain, only 20% of the factors would really drive 80% of guest satisfaction and ended up being the flavor of the food for us. And so it's about understanding that 
that relationship and uh, you know how how it's not not equal, and then forcing yourself to live by that rule. So what I did over the course of a year is I had an accountability partner on a daily basis. We reported to each other at least one thing that we had 80-20. One thing during the course of the day where instead of putting in 100% effort, we purposely only put in 20% effort to get it out the door and generate 80% of the result. Now you get a double whammy with that. So one is you're spending less time doing it, which is always a nightmare for perfectionists. They take forever to get anything done, um, me included, <laughs> you know, when I was operating that state. Um, but also, because you're getting it out the door and it's only 80% done, it's forcing you to get comfortable with good enough because perfectionists are often not comfortable with good enough because good enough is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I would encourage people to think about how can they do things during the course of the day, at least identify one thing every day that you look at it and you go, okay, I'm going to 80-20 this. This was going to normally take, uh, let's make the mathematics easy, easy here. It was normally going to take five hours to do this, and I would have gotten 100% of the result that I'm hoping for, so 20%. I'm going to actually only take one hour on this. And with with the aim of getting at least 80% of the result. I am willing to sacrifice the other 20% because that's going to free up four hours where I can work on other things or work less. So yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on that and you know, what people can do to try to you know, take, uh, take some action against it. So is it, and I, I have not yet entirely bought into this principle myself. So this is very interesting for me. So you really can put in 20% of the effort to get 80% of the results in your experience. Well, that's a great point. So what, 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 what I don't want people to do is get to, too caught up on the mathematics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's less about, okay, let's actually measure the time and right. let's, you know, figure out, was this really 80% of the result? And it's that's more a about view of it you realize yeah exactly so 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 you know think think spirit rather than letter of the law and um could you work more quickly with less effort and still get a majority of the benefits perfect majority of the benefit that's that's ultimately what it's about yes yeah that's great. Thank you so much. It's just fun. It's funny. I even just seeing myself going into that, like, oh, I don't believe it. And um, but yeah. I was applying a very rigid standard to that. So, okay, yeah. well, we are, um, we are about out of time. And, you know, it's just, is there any other thing I didn't ask you about that, that sort of people need to know when that when they decide that they want to improve their lives and step into being, you know, a bigger, better versions of themselves, you know, something to think about. I would just, I would just remember this, that, you know, every, every, every mistake you've made, you know, it doesn't matter who, who you were yesterday. And it doesn't matter um, what you haven't achieved. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, you can reach your full potential. You know, everyone can become extraordinary. It's never too late to start. Uh, when's the best time to, you know, plant a tree 20 years ago? When's the next best time? 
right now. And, um, and you know, I, I would love to, and I'd love to be able to help you if I can, you know, and if you, if you head over to um, the website, you know, uh, at ericpartaker.com, you'll hopefully find some, some, well, I know you will find some free goodies <laughs> that will help you, um, help you do exactly that. So, yeah, I just, I just really believe that everyone, everyone can become extraordinary, you know, without the unhealthy hustle. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that with all of you and everybody listening. Hopefully you found this some inspiring to realize that there is a little bit more space in you to, um, to step up more fully. And thank you for being here. And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 